I am going to talk right now about my favorite female jazz singer, Miss Lily Mae Jones. What? You don't know who Lily Mae Jones is? Born in 1929 in Detroit, same Motor City. I'm not saying she's staying from Motown. They would have nothing to do with her. Lily Mae Jones, oh, I'm sorry. Let me try again. Betty Carter. Yeah. Her given name was Lily Mae Jones. But you see, if she was going to be a blues singer, Lily Mae Jones may have worked. If she was going to be a gospel singer, Lily Mae Jones may have worked. But as a jazz singer, she needed something with a little more sass to it. So she ended up with Betty Carter. And we like that. Yeah. 1929 in Detroit City. Mom was just a housewife. A housewife, I should say just a housewife. I'll probably get some bad mail about that one. Father was a gospel musician, church musician, piano organ player, vocalist. And uh, for some reason, growing up in the home, Little Lily Mae did not feel so loved. And she grew up very, very independent. Very, very unemotional about family ties. And this would probably form her and direct her throughout her life. And she started out in the traditional vein. Uh, she actually studied piano long before she began to sing, which uh, would probably explain uh, the musical direction she took, um, her experimental arrangements, her unbelievable scat singing, just unbelievable scat singing, um, her ability to find uh, harmonic colors that most singers don't even know exist. Most instrumentalists don't even know exist. Her ability to select young musicians just starting out who are going to be the next thing on the instruments, particularly piano players like uh, Benny Green, or Stephen Scott, or Mulgrew Miller, and we can just go on and on and on, the pianists who came through her groups. And she probably nurtured them and guided them because after all, she was a very accomplished pianist because that was her first thing. But later she started singing. And when she started singing, she started winning talent contests around Detroit. And she started singing in clubs around Detroit. And one day, the Pied Piper of Jazz comes through. Oh, yeah, I'm going to call him the Pied Piper of Jazz. He traveled all over the world spotlighting young talent and bringing them to the fore. Who is that? The guy with the crazy look and the crazier horn, Mr. Dizzy Gillespie. Dizzy checked her out in Detroit and went, girl, you got some stuff. You need to bring that thing in New York. I think there's a place for you. Oh, yeah. But she's in Detroit. 
And so where she ended up at first was in Hamp's band, Lionel Hampton. Because Lionel Hampton, you know, is from uh, Naptown uh, in Naples, which is, you know, a little bit closer to uh, Detroit than New York. But she starts out there. And uh, man, everybody's going, who is this singer? Who is this singer? Who is this singer? Who is this singer? Oh, she's swinging. And of course, Hamp always had a band that was jamming with young talent, just, just establishing themselves as the next thing in terms of creative spirits. And Betty was good with that. She ends up uh, in New York. She's having a fantastic career. Uh, fronting big bands, but uh, the small, intimate combo was her thing. I mean, after all, uh, her mentor is Dizzy Gillespie, and he is uh, the center of the bebop thing, and there she is with all the beboppers, with Miles Davis, yeah, and people like that. That's what she's doing with Charlie Parker eventually, yeah. So at the beginning of the bebop era, or at the height of the bebop era, Betty Carter was on the scene. And as a musician who played the piano, she was very conversant with the modes and the scales and harmonic extensions and variations that were going on at Minton's and Monroe's and all over the small jazz clubs where this bebop was being played. And she was one of the few singers who embraced it and could get up there and scat with the best of them. Her scatting was like bird, you know? So she was embraced by this bebop generation. And that gave her credibility. And so her career just shot right to the top. And she was doing great until the 60s, the age of rock and roll and pop festivals and this and that, and it's just too big to really experience the intimacy of jazz. And so her career fell off. She fell on hard times financially, had problems in her marriage, which dissolved, had problems getting gigs, started doing a few things abroad, but she was fiercely independent. And so she discovered that there was a college circuit where you had people with more refined taste and intellect who were still looking for something of great substance. And so she started touring on the college set small colleges all over this country paid her rent for years. And then somewhere around 1975, when people started looking for something with more substance than what they'd been dealing with in the 60s and early 70s, her career started to rise again. Some PBS documentaries, some short film documentaries, some great recordings, sold out concerts, 
and Betty Carter is back. Her great recordings. My favorite is dropping things. I, I just love dropping things. But she did duets with people like Ray Charles. I mean, she was never a pop person. That was one of the things she didn't do. A lot of jazz people started doing pop and R&B and stuff like that in the 60s in order to make it happen. Betty Carter's like, ah, ah, I'm not selling out like that. If I can't do jazz, I don't want to do anything. And so, yeah, she did a couple things to Ray Charles, but Ray had a real deep spirit, real deep soul. So no matter what he did, there was some credibility to it. And so she did those kinds of things uh, to popularize herself. But what she really did was she elevated the level of jazz vocalists to a level that we had never seen, and no one today is reapproaching. And she brought musicians, uh, Charlie Hayden and people like that, uh, Craig Handy and people like that, and Mulgrew Miller, and you know, like I said, Stephen Scott and. Uh, uh, Cyrus Chestnut and so many other young musicians uh, to the fore. Uh, and her arrangement was just so creative. Uh, all I can tell you is that I can talk about Betty Carter forever. But the best way to learn about Betty Carter is to just put a better record, put a recording on and listen and be transformed into this world. It has been said that there is only one jazz singer, only one, and that person is Betty Carter. And if you think that is hyperbole, you just go listen to some Betty Carter. And maybe you too will become baptized in the spirit of swing and creativity that is absolutely the embodiment of what Betty Carter brought to the table for over four decades. Thank you, Miss Lily Mae Jones. And thank you, Betty Carter. And thank you, John Burks Gillespie, for encouraging that young girl you met in Detroit to bring her show to New York and to bring her music to all of us who are still in love with some Betty Carter. Thank you.